So welcome back to another episode of The Buck Stops Here. You were listening to part two of the interview with Dorothy Butler Lawrence, where we're continuing our questions into the worlds of taxation. That's right. We're talking about bookkeepers, accountants, and tax lawyers, how to know when to hire them and know when to fire them. Today on The Buck Stops Here. Here we are again with Dorothy Butler Lawrence. Thanks for rejoining us on the show here. Absolutely. Coming back for part two. So I wanted to ask a little bit about why why do business owners seem to always complain about their accountant? I mean, they either love them or hate them. And I'll tell you, there's a lot more, it seems like there's a lot more numbers in that second stack. So why do business owners complain about the accounting firms they've hired and things like that? I mean, your experience, is, is there some reason that that's happening a lot? You know, I think it all depends on what it is you're looking for in a tax person, right? For me... I got into doing taxes, David, because of my being a musician. So I had to do it because every musician, we are paid as self-employed individuals. So for me, I already spoke the language. I knew what musicians needed, but I also knew I needed to explain it to other musicians that we're artists, right? Not thinking on the numbers side. It was all about how, to, how does this work? Dorothy, what am I doing? Just tell me how much you wrote me. You know, how many, how many drumsticks did you buy this year, guys? That's what the language was, and that's what those guys needed. So I have, since I started doing tax returns, kind of refused to speak in terms of the internal revenue code books that are sitting on the shelf right next to me. And I want it to be something that anybody can understand. What are we doing here? Some people love that. That's what they want. They want to understand it, or at least understand it to the extent that they go, I don't want to know any more, Dorothy. You told me all I need to know. Then there's the other guys that, you know, maybe want the the very, very corporate suit and tie, and they're going to be told everything, you know, per internal revenue code statute, blah, 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 blah. I, mean, I don't operate that way, but for some guys, that may be what they prefer, and it's finding which one you want. If you've gone to the wrong side, I don't think most people in our generation want to have somebody spit out the code articles to them, and, you know, I talk to them like they're my buddies coming into the office, and they know they can email me at, you know, midnight, and I'm going to tell them what's going on with their, their information. Um, I think for me, that's why most people have these bad experiences because they're not dealing with somebody that they feel like they can actually reach out to, have a normal conversation with, and then go, wait a minute, you just mentioned that you, you know, you went to uh, Maine for a gig. Wait a minute, we've got some more expenses that are going to come out of that. Um, I think the other reason that people complain, I try to dig in when somebody gives me their tax numbers. For me, best way I'm going to get client retention is if I save that client as much money as I possibly can on that tax return. Other tax preparers may just take the profit and loss as it stands and not ask any other questions. I'm going to take it and go, well, hey guys, you, you forgot to give me X, Y, you know, there's these things that you haven't listed. I bet you have those expenses. Go find them for me. I go, oh my God, I didn't even think I could do that. No one's ever told me I could write these things off. So I, I think it's very important to figure out what what your style is and how you want to work with somebody and how you want to interact with them. Could that partly be because of how um, tax preparers and accountants are trained? Um, you know, historically, it's very much a numbers-driven type thing. I mean, is, is that part of that relationship? It's kind of like you would go to them and it's like a monolith. You can't really talk to it. You know, it just, it just speaks in numbers. It's not, not like a human. Um, I, I was just, I'm just trying to figure out because it seems like this is... And I don't know... What happens on your end, I don't know, as a tax preparer, if people complain about other accountants or attorneys or whatnot, but this seems to be one of the, um, this seems to be one of the things a lot when I'm just talking to business and, and then we get into any kind of consulting role or organization, 
uh, I would say 90% of the time somebody comes ask me um, for direction on a bookkeeper and hiring or what have you. So kind of the, my purpose on this was to kind of help in this consulting role. This is a little self-serving in the podcast, and I'll go ahead and just admit to that. Uh, for me, it's a little bit of when I get asked those questions, I, I hate to get stumped by it. You know, I hate being like, well, gee, I, I don't really know. Or, you know, I mean, who, who would I recommend for your particular situation? Um, and so I'm looking for a little bit of that direction for these kind of people who would be listening to this episode right now. So to sum up, your, your thing is about finding the relationship, make sure it's a fit where you can talk to that individual, where they can speak to you and meet you at kind of your level and not just kind of on a numerical quantitative kind of piece. Yeah, that's what you want. Some people want that, right? Some people want to have the tax expert that only speaks in tax and there's nothing else to it. And that's okay. Those guys still do a good job. Just if that's not what you want, that's the person you interact with on a probably yearly basis, right? So maybe maybe shop around a little bit, maybe talk to two or three and kind of find find a fit and see where you kind of um you kind of, you know, vibe with each other, so to speak. I just use the word vibe. Okay, sorry. Uh, let's do. Uh, okay, uh, maybe shop around a little bit and and talk to some different people and make sure that you you feel like there's a good fit and a good relationship there with that individual. Yeah, you gotta go on that first date, right? This is gonna be a long term relationship, or it should be. This is not a this is this is not a short term thing. If you're opening a business, or even just an individual that's not operating a business, if here you want this to be a long term thing, that you don't have to go back in three years and go. I don't like my tax returns. I got to find a new one. No one wants to go back through the process of re-interviewing tax attorneys or tax preparers. Find one that you do get along with and you and you feel like you can you can tolerate, right? And you want to work with each year, so that you don't have to go through the interview process again. What are those? What are the kind of the hallmarks? So, if I'm looking to check boxes for myself or uh, people listening to the show, are what are kind of things you would say be listening for? Not just beyond the relationship there. What are kind of things you're looking for when you talk to this tax uh, this tax preparer? What kind of stuff do you want to ask them? I mean, my number one that people will ask me is, "Hey, Dorothy, you know, once we've engaged and you're doing my taxes each year, can I email you in September because I'm thinking about buying something? And should I buy it this year or should I buy it next year, maybe?" Um, not all tax preparers are going to do that year round for you or do the tax planning or the tax advising. They're ready to do your tax return, but there's maybe not the advisement that's going to come along with it. Um, I get calls and I, I kind of try to do it third quarter going into fourth quarter, right? Because the first two quarters, I don't look up from the tax returns. They're the third and fourth quarter. I have time to then go in with clients that are going, Hey, I'm thinking of making this big purchase. Can we look at what maybe last year's tax numbers look like? Can we look at what this year's are going to look like? And does it make sense for me to do it this year? Or maybe should I wait until January and make the purchase so it goes on next year's? A lot of people will not give that advice. So if you were looking for somebody that you can engage with year-round for that advice, you need to ask that in call number one. You also want to find out, is that call going to cost you more money? Am I, am I paying you, you know, an hourly rate every time I call you? Um, you know, answer for me is that if I've, I've got a client, can I answer your question in like one to two short emails? then I'm probably not charging you because I know you're coming back to me in February. We got to do a full sit on like, you know, all right, analyze the tax brackets. You're probably going to have to pay for that. But ask those questions in that interview call. What does that look like? Ask the questions too about how they're going to handle the numbers that you give them. Because again, I get my, you know, my P&L from somebody or I get the list of expenses and I do go through and I go, you know, you didn't tell me what the cell phone bill was for the year. That's, that's a big number that you've missed. A lot of CPAs or accountants may not do that and actually still try to get those extra numbers out of you. 
So find out, are you going to kind of look over my numbers and tell me if something's missing? Um, so I think the advice piece is a huge one for people of whether that's something that you can count on the preparer or accountant to do versus having somebody that's just going to go, okay, here's your numbers, here's your tax return. So uh, I want to take a, a step down a little bit and talk about just kind of the bookkeeper level, right? Because that's one of the things I see a lot of people have challenged in their business. And we did an episode of the uh, podcast uh, a couple months ago where we were um, interviewing the lady who was talking about embezzlement at a company and that kind of thing. Um, and I know that that's a real thing and I know that happens and it can destroy companies, you know, kind of pretty easily. Um, at what point should someone look at if they're, they're, they're doing the books on their own, so it's a very small business, they're doing their books themselves, right? At what point should they look at either hiring a person to do the bookkeeping or hire an outside bookkeeping firm? I mean, at what point do you think that these business owners should make that particular, take that particular step? Honestly, it's hard to say. I have I have business owners that are running multi-million dollar businesses every year, and they're still managing it on QuickBooks by themselves. They're, they're comfortable with it. They feel good about doing it, and they give me clean books every year, and they do it by themselves, and they pay the, you know, whatever it is, 50 bucks a month for the QuickBooks. Um, then I have others that just go, I don't know what to do with this. I don't ever want to look at it, and I don't want to spend the time on it. So it, it just becomes a, you know, a benefit of whether or not you want to take the time to put the numbers in the books yourselves or how somebody else is going to do it. You know, I've got a lot of the mom and pop companies, you know, pops run a business, mom's in the office, plug in the numbers in the books. We maybe don't need a bookkeeper at that point. So it just depends on what the business structure is. And is there time to do it on your own? I, you know, I, I don't have a bookkeeper. I still do my own because I'm going to sit there with my QuickBooks and go through it myself because it's not worth it to me to take the time to have someone else or have the cost of someone else doing it. Right. I'm going to just plug in my own numbers. And it's not because I'm a tax person. It's just because it's simply still easier for me to go through my own books and do it. And I go at the end of the month and maybe have a tall glass or something. And I sit there at the computer and plug in expenses. Um, it just depends on though what that structure is for somebody else. So really, it sounds like it comes down to comfort level Absolutely. Um, and, you know, valuing your thing. I, I will say, you know, kind of from my standpoint on the podcast, as I've run into these things before, I would say that if you are running one of these multi-million dollar businesses and you're doing your own books, you probably need to reevaluate what your time is worth. I'm just going to go out there on a limb and say it. And if you are doing it yourself and you've thought about how much your time is worth, it's probably because somebody did you wrong at some point in that position. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Take that for what it is. Yeah, put it in your hat. But uh, that's kind of been my experience of these things. So I guess, uh, so it's it's so it really comes down to a comfort thing and figuring out if they know what they're doing with that, et cetera. Uh, what are the biggest errors you see when somebody is doing it themselves? What are the things you see when somebody brings you those books, et cetera? The biggest one that I get is somebody that doesn't know. And so I say this with the caveat that I started using QuickBooks only in 2022. Prior to that, I had this really beautiful spreadsheet that I worked on every single year. I finally said it's time to make a big step about your QuickBooks. But if you don't know how to, like, if you don't tinker with the software enough, I will get people that come in and go, I had $50,000 in uncategorized expenses. Well, guys, I can't do a line item for the IRS. So these are all uncategorized. I don't know what they are. Um, so that's one of the biggest ones I see is that then I have to send them back and go, okay, well, you gave me, you know, a fourth of your expenses for the year were uncategorized. I can't tell the IRS that. And then they've got to go back and plug through it. You don't have to have that error. It's just a, it's, it's kind of a lazy thing on QuickBooks. If you're not sitting there and making the new categories, depending on what your business is, that's probably the biggest one that I see. Um, you know, I, I, everybody wants to write off their entire car note. That's not, you know, so I have to go through, I'll get these auto expenses from individuals and like, man, 
paid, you know, 20 grand this year. And I go, what does that represent though? Oh, it's my car note. That's not exactly how this is supposed to work though. So maybe we sit down and have a conversation. So they get mad when they see their numbers when I've given them to them going, that's all my QuickBooks said. QuickBooks said I had, you know, 30 grand in car expenses. And I went, yeah, because you bought, you know, two Beamers this year. I can't write off those on your tax return though. That's not necessarily, it might work, but it's not necessarily going to work. Um, I think the biggest complaint I've heard from business owners about QuickBooks is that QuickBooks keeps changing things and makes it, they, they change the way the software works and they feel like they have to go back to school and learn it all over again. So they were comfortable with it and then something changed overnight and they weren't told about it. They just go in there and they're like, this doesn't look like what it looked like last week. But I mean, your mileage might vary. And there are other, there are other accounting softwares. I mean, there's Sage, which is what was Peachtree Accounting. And then there's there's Wave and Zero. There's a, there's a slew of different ones out there right now. FreshBooks is another competitor now from QuickBooks. So I guess they don't have to use that one if they don't like it. But um, I guess the the big question I wanted to ask about, okay, so now you got your you got your bookkeeper, you have a way to do your books, and you can look at your P&Ls. What, at, at, at what point, so now your tax period, you see really where the accountants get involved is where they're the rubber meets the road and you're having them prepare your taxes at that point in time. Again, I'm guessing that that's kind of the same interview process you would do with a tax attorney, et cetera. You would ask them the same kind of questions, feel about the fit on it, et cetera. Um, are accountants, let me ask this, are accountants supposed to be saying, here are ways you can save more money, you know, tax preparation, that kind of thing, or are they really just supposed to be plugging and chugging the numbers they get there? Are they, are they supposed to be finding you money, et cetera, when they do your taxes? So some of that depends, right? Is, are they advertising as a CPA slash financial advisor? Then those guys are more likely to give you the advice. If they're just saying, you know, I'm a tax preparer slash accountant, um, there's another, I think you mentioned it earlier, the enrolled agents. Well, these guys are not necessarily somebody that's actually gone through, you know, school for this. They may have gone through some, you know, online training or even maybe an in-person training for the enrolled agents or even some of the just tax preparers. So they're not able to necessarily give you advice on these things. Now, again, if you're the simple tax return, you got two, two partners at home, each has a job, maybe there's a kiddo at home. You're fine to go to one of those guys. You don't necessarily need the advanced advice that somebody else can give. And you can go to the enrolled agent or just the tax preparer. It, it builds based on how much more complex your return gets. Um, you know, I get people all the time that go, they'll call me and they want me to advise on, well, what else could you do for my tax return? And I go, okay, well, tell me about what your income streams are. Well, we, we have two W-2s. Okay, well, do you have anything else? Nope, that's it, just two jobs. There's nothing for me to advise you on here at this point. There's there's nothing I can do. Go, go make some kids and we can get some more deductions on your tax return. But outside of that, I got nothing for you. Um, so there isn't a whole lot of advice. Go pay the cheaper guy that's the enrolled agent, right? That's my advice there. Um, on the flip side, you got two rental properties and you're self-employed and you got a home that you're paying lots of property tax on. You maybe want the person that can actually give you some advice and how to manage things in the years coming. Bringing this all kind of to close a little bit here, what are the two kind of two or three most important questions that business owners should be tackling their professionals, but asking their tax professionals right now, but they are not asking them. They are neglecting to ask these questions. What would you say kind of those two or three questions should be? And you're assuming the tax preparer is somebody they've already engaged or you're talking about in the kind of interview process? You've already, because you've already engaged them. You've already hired this person. 
and they've given you your numbers back or something like that, and um, maybe something doesn't look right or whatever it is, well, what are the two or three questions that, that they should always kind of be asking and, and maybe they aren't? So I'd say at least the first time that you have someone do that return, you should actually want to sit down with them. If you're a business owner, because some don't want to do this, some just blind trust and that's, that's fine if that's how you're doing it. Big one for me is I will have people their first time they actually want to come sit down at this table and look at their tax return and go, Dorothy, explain to me what these numbers actually meant. Explain to me why there's a deduction over here. I didn't know about this qualified business income deduction. Can you just, don't give me all the crazy legal jargon. Just tell me why I'm getting this deduction over here so I can understand from moving forward. Um, I think a lot of people are actually scared to sit down and look at the tax return because they just go, those forms are things I don't understand. I paid you to do it. I don't want to know what's happening there, but you should, you should have at least some basic understanding of it. And so asking the questions of, of that tax preparer, tax accountant, tax attorney on what's happening on my return. Those are really important questions to ask because things will come out of that conversation then of, oh man, I didn't know I could go do X, Y, Z next year. And that, that's going to show up on my return because they've just not even looked at the forms and say what they can do. Um, that's probably the biggest one. The second, again, is just reaching out to the, the tax preparer during the year before they go make some massive change. I've had people come to me, um, you know, one of the big things if you're self-employed, you're supposed to show profit in two out of every five years, right? If you don't, you're considered a hobby. And if the IRS does the audit, big, big if, but if they do it, you're going to be considered a hobby for all five years and they're going to go back and take out all the deductions that you've taken for that five-year period. So I will have people that don't ask the question and they've had massive losses for the last four years and then they go, oh yeah, I bought a ton of equipment this year. I'm going to have a great loss. And I go, that was really stupid. You could have talked to me about it beforehand. You need to buy all that stuff in January because I have to show you some income this year. Even if that income is only a hundred bucks and I can't put this, you've wasted this expense that you could have had it would have really saved you a lot of money. So it's knowing that you need to go and talk to the tax person during the year before you do major changes to your business. Um, you know, and the last one that I see is when people think, oh yeah, so-and-so told me I should change to an LLC or so-and-so told me I should change to, you know, this kind of entity It's going to save me a lot of money. And they didn't talk to me before they did it. It may save you money, but it might not save you money. But you also may have just created a new entity for yourself that now has its own tax return filing with its own new tax date. I had somebody email me yesterday. I've been doing your tax returns for probably six or seven years. And their young son decided he opened up his own corporation. He didn't talk to anybody. We didn't know that he did it. He didn't mention it. And, and mom starts emailing me all his different forms. And I went, he had a tax return filing. It was due in March of 2022. And I have no information. So we are nine months late. You know what the penalty is for every month that return didn't get filed. And they went, oh, he didn't even make that much money all year. And I said, this is why you should have called me before you did it. Um, so asking the big questions before you make those changes. Got it. And I guess I want to bring this to, to uh, I want to bring it to the last thing. At what point should you look at either replacing the bookkeeper, your current CPA or your tax professional? At what point do you say, hey, you know, I need to make a switch? What should be kind of the, the signs that that needs to happen for the business owner? Um, one of the biggest complaints and things I hear from people is that if I email or I call my person, I can't get an answer out of them. That's a big, that's a big one for me. I have a rule. It's not a normal rule, but I cannot go to bed if my inbox and the email has emails. So I'm going to respond in 24 hours if somebody emails me. 
but you want to make sure that somebody is actually responsive to you in whatever capacity you want it, whether it's getting a meeting going, scheduling a phone call, whatever it is. Um, that's a big one for me um, that I that I will hear. The other one that I hear from year to year is some people hire these big accounting firms or big firms of any kind. Um, they start with one guy, then the next year, oh yeah, he's not here anymore. You're going to work with this person. Then two years down, like, yeah, now it's another guy. So they're having to re-kind of, not necessarily interview each year, but they're having to relearn that information to somebody that and now I'm working with this new person each year. I'm the only one here doing it. So people come in and they know every year I'm dealing with Dorothy. I'm dealing with Dorothy. And they don't have to go in and explain, well, yeah, you remember that weird thing we've got over here? You know, you remember that second rental property I have, but it's just kind of sitting there. You got to go through all that every year. So that's a big one that I hear is I don't want to do that every year. I just want to be able to go in and say, yep, time to go see Dorothy again. And here's my books. So I feel like, again, depending on what your personal preference is, some people don't care. But if you've got a lot of moving parts, it is nice to see the same person every year that you don't have to re-explain all those things to each year. So those, are, to me, are the two big ones when you're going through that process, and it might be time to switch people. Well, um, I think that brings all my questions here in this particular episode to a close. I want to um, do a big thanks here to my guest, Dorothy Butler-Lawrence, today. And if they're looking, you're looking to hire someone like Dorothy, you can find them on the internet or you can find her at DorothyButlerLawFirm.com or you can find her on Instagram at Your Trendy Lawyer. Again, Dorothy, thank you for being on the show today. Very welcome. My pleasure, David.